We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 7 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. If you are watching live, we are coming to you a little late. Ian had some traveling to do, but thankfully the Wizards behind the scenes were able to accommodate us. Ian, you're coming from another place. Uh, have a fun weekend, my man, uh, and welcome to the Week 7 show uh, here today on Friday. Always a great day to be great, Britt. You know that. But yes, lovely Chicago for one of my um, quote-unquote asshole friends who had to have a wedding on a lovely fall Saturday. But going to make the most of the weekend, and now I'm chilling in someone's lovely Airbnb. So yeah, Britt, got a nice little slate ahead of us. You know, obviously the Christian McCaffrey trade, a couple injuries here. J.K. Dobbins out four to six weeks. As a Pete Overset might say, slate has already been flipped on its head. we got a lot to talk about. Has it really, though? I don't know if the slate's really been flipped <laughs> on its head uh, with J.K. Dobbins and CMC touchdown factory for San Francisco uh, coming up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would, uh, I might disown my friends. I, I would remove them from my circle of friends if they had a wedding on a Saturday during football season. What That's are you doing, man? Bro, it's not a lot. There's also like I'm a pretty big UFC guy. Card of the year is tomorrow during the middle of the day. I, uh, I, I am not pleased, but I'm going to look good, Brett. I'll say that. All right, so let's get into, I know Ian's got a lot of festivities probably going on tonight. Let's jump into this for the people. We're going to go right into his mismatch manifesto over on Pro Football Focus. Uh, if you subscribe over there, you can get access to this along with about a billion other articles and tools over there. Let's start off with explosive play rate. Uh, we talk about this every week for sports betting, for DFS. We want offenses that can get chunk yards. We want to avoid offenses that maybe can't get those. What are some teams we're looking good this week? And what are some teams and players we may want to avoid? 
could maybe be the week that this Packers uh, passing offense finally gets going against Washington. That's what kind of made the whole Ron Rivera throwing Carson Wentz under the bus thing that funny because it's like, all right, man, I get it. Like, Wentz isn't exactly the answer. But, you know, at that point in time when he said that, I think they were stunting, you know, one of the league's bottom five scoring defenses. So they got back on the right track when they when they played the Bears. But who doesn't? I do think this could be a spot where we see the Packers get back on track to an extent, man. This is one of only seven teams this year without 250 freaking passes passing yards in a game yet when you look at the group of teams it's six teams that you would expect and then the green bay packers so we got romeo dobbs at a reasonable price aaron jones maybe being a forgotten man i do think we're going to see at least some semblance of explosive offense in green bay in this matchup also good things out of houston perhaps brandon cooks finally gets going he's some, he's someone that we're seeing right now just looking at the underperforming players in terms of fantasy points realized versus expected brandon cooks has been one of the quote-unquote unluckiest wide receivers this year and then with the raiders you know really standing out could be a more condensed passing game than ever depending on how you know things are going to shake out with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro so Devontae Adams so far it's been very good I think he's the wide receiver eight overall obviously and that's even with having the bye week there but you look at the targets per route run the yards per route run they are just a little bit off what we saw in Green Bay so on the one hand maybe it is going to be you know life in this new Raiders offense on the other hand might just be you know a slow five weeks getting going and now we're about to be see an explosion this could be the spot for that uh passing offense is not set up so well we got the Giants and Jets as you could probably imagine maybe though with Elijah Moore out we see uh, one of these guys get going but I don't know Britt it's one of those things where Corey Davis still leads his team in receiving yards I don't know if that's going to disappear anytime soon as badly as the entire fantasy world wants it to taking the uh, Jets receiver against that Denver defense does not seem like a, a good idea this week so I'll take a pass on that uh, all right let's go down a little bit further in your article let's talk about pace we want more snaps more plays in a game, give us more fantasy points, more opportunity to hit those overs in the sports betting world. What are some fast-paced games and some slow ones this week? Hey, man, I think the most surprising thing of last week was the fact that Brady and these Buccaneers couldn't get going against that injury-ravaged Steelers secondary. But the thing was, we talked about it. There was Pittsburgh, Carolina, and there was one other secondary. I just can't remember off my head, off the top of my head last week that were really banged up. So now Tampa gets another chance out of Panthers team that how many more things they need to do to tell us that they are just completely quitting on this season. So Brady's passing volume has been up for now three, four straight weeks ever since those wide receivers got healthy. We didn't quite see the explosion last week but maybe it is just one week behind so Buccaneers can't really run the ball I do think the Panthers defense is slightly you know good enough to maybe force the Buccaneers to actually have to you know embrace that passing game and it's going to be I think their path of least resistance in this matchup so going back to what with Brady and those receivers and not bringing it back with anyone from that dreadful Carolina offense and then also second highest uh, you know game total of the week does reside in Dallas in this shoot potential shootout there against the Lions I'll be very curious to see what we get from this Lions offense. We do have a Monroe St. Brown back out there. That's fine. Um, fire him up as someone that's going to see 10 plus targets more weeks than not. But, you know, I, I don't love seeing them get completely blanked by the Patriots before the bye week. You know, if we had to look at the Lions offense versus Seahawks offense, which one is kind of more real after both did have these, you know, great six weeks or so to start the year, I do lean Seattle right now. So this will be a good test for Jared Goff and company because as much as I want to, you know, put all my eggs into this potential Lions-Cowboys shootout, I also do think there's a chance that maybe Goff, you know, was running on a bit of a heater early on going up against Michael Parsons and company might not be the sort of smash spot we want to be overexposed to. Yeah, they would, what was Amon Ross St. Brown was on one leg that game. No DeAndre Swift. 
No but real ancillary receivers. Some of these the, guys are – The okay. ancillary guys are hurt this week. Reynolds and Chark yeah. and Swift is – I mean, is, is he listed as questionable? I know he's still been banged up in a limited practice all week. So we'll see what happens, man. It's just one of those things where Cowboys, I think, pretty consensus. Top three, top five defense. Okay, they give us some points to the Eagles. Who freaking doesn't out here? So just, uh, again, Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm in on expecting this to be a full-on back-and-forth shootout. That's where I draw the line. I, everyone, I, I haven't seen your bets yet, Britt, but everyone's picking the Lions this week, you know, straight up win. No respect for that uh, Cowboys defense out there. I'm not expecting Dak and company to necessarily be at 100% just yet in his first game back. I'm just not exactly crowning uh, Jared Goff against a very good Cowboys defense. All right, let's look at pressure rate. Uh, we need some quarterbacks that have clean pockets. Generally, they do better. Uh, when they don't have a defenders in their face, we like some defenses uh, in the DST that can get pressure and also maybe want to avoid a couple quarterbacks that will be running for their life. What's standing out this week? Yeah, Jared Goff standing out, Britt. Not looking good. He's going to be under pressure from Michael Parsons and company all game long. So I know it's not advised to, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not going to be paying up 4K to go get the Cowboys defense at the top of the pricing model, but you could imagine. Also, Zach Wilson looked like he could be in trouble in Denver. Patrick Mahomes sneaky up there as well could help explain why that spread is as close as it is and Ryan Tannehill potentially against the Colts and may the Lord have mercy on Justin Fields Monday night against the Patriots some quarterbacks that are going to have cleaner pockets to work work from though Jacoby Brissett against the Ravens I do wonder you know we've seen David Njoku doing his thing Amari Cooper last week I believe had the single most um unrealized air yards. So he only had 44 receiving yards, but had a lot more opportunities that he just wasn't able to quite get to. Ravens secondary has been playing better lately. I mean, I think some of their stats got really inflated when Tyreek and Waddle, you know, both went for over a buck 50 uh, earlier on in the season. With that said, I do think in this sort of game, you know, Browns, I think are six and a half point dogs. It would make sense if we do get one of those Amari Cooper booms after it has been a few weeks since then. Um, also setting up well, Joe Burrow and either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett under center in Pittsburgh Sunday night. More on Deontay Johnson in that matchup in a little bit. Yeah, I like Joe Burrow. That all shotgun offense uh, sort of picked up some steam. There we Maybe go. If they continue that. Uh, I know on uh, on prize picks, uh, some of those guys were a little low. They got a nice little promo going on. Uh, check it out. But I, I like uh, I like those Cincinnati overs over on, uh, on prize picks particularly. Uh, let's go to yards before contact. Running backs that can gain chunk yards are always good before a defender can touch them. What are some offenses that could be running free and clear? I see Atlanta, as always, because they run that weird offense. And I know Cincy is pretty banged up on defense on the defensive line and linebackers this week. So real quick, is there anyone we can look at from that Atlanta run game? Not to, really. To take a peek at? No. I, I, I think it's very really juicy. I think it's Mariota. Like, I think that's probably the uh, answer there. And if you want to stack them with London or God forbid, Kyle Pitts, if you want to go take that leap of faith, I think that's probably the move. It's just too muddled there with Algier, Huntley, and Avery Williams all still very much involved there. So it's unfortunate because you said it. They're unique and they're good, man. Like, as much as we want to yell at Arthur Smith for not getting, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts out there, it's the top 10 offense in every measure you want to look at. They run the most pistol in the league. They run the most pony formations, you know, two-plus running backs on the field. Most play action. It's been a lot of fun to watch so far this year in Atlanta in terms of schematic stuff, just not so much with, with, you know, actually getting a lot of volume onto one guy, but set up there at least well for Mariota. So I don't hate the thought of going to him and GPPs Jacksonville looking good against the giants. Now, whether they're going to be able to really get a big lead remains to be seen. If not, I would expect Travis Etienne to continue to be the better running back in Jacksonville. You know, I'm not going to make this a, you know, slander James Robinson hour, but if you guys want to check out my running back piece over at PFF.com, some true 
truly damning stats. Great story coming back from the Achilles, but he has objectively not been very good at football this season. And finally, number one best line of scrimmage matchup does go to Kenyon Drake, Ravens RB1. I wouldn't be super convinced, though. I believe Justice Hill is back. I got to peep that final uh, Ravens injury report. Yes, but he's just back. Okay, yeah, so he's back. He was working well ahead of Drake before the injury happened. And look, Drake has been much better over these past two weeks, so I'm not necessarily saying, like, we need to get on Justice Hill. But I think having him back enough is probably going to force the Ravens to go back to the three RB committee. So, again, maybe the answer in Atlanta and Baltimore alike, go get the Russian quarterback at hand because they should have more open lanes than usual this week. All right, I like uh, the prop on Damian Pierce. He's at 61 and a half. I'll talk about it in a second. The yards before contact, is this that is the worst on the sheet here. Can can he still get there just on volume alone? Does this game have to play stay close? He can break those long runs. What's your overall thoughts on him before we get to that? He just he just needs to keep being one of the freaking best running backs in the league. It's it's wild for me, man. Like, look, I'll take my when Damian Pierce was shooting up the draft boards, you know, in August. I didn't buy it at all because I said, look, what are we getting here in this offense? They're not going to be a good offense. They don't have a good offensive line. And it looks like Rex Burkhead is going to remain involved on passing downs. And really, all those things have come to fruition. The only thing is Damian Pierce is so freaking good, it hasn't mattered. I mean, number six, yards after contact for Kerry. He forced 17 17 missed tackles in one freaking game the last time we saw him on carries. That's the most PFF has ever recorded in a single game. The dude really is looking like baby Marshawn Lynch out there. So, hey, it it doesn't look good for him, Britt, but you know what? It hasn't looked good for him all season. He just keeps on keeping on. I do find it hilarious that, like, the one news we consistently have gotten out of Houston, what, they're 1-3-1 and one this year. Their future has probably never looked more bleak. Like, there's nothing good going on in this organization. There hasn't been for, honestly, years at this point. But then, like, someone puts up a microphone to Lovey Smith, and he's just like, Yep, Damian Pierce, let's get him those 20 touches this week. You know, Damian Pierce really going out there. Think about it, man. Every other team in the league, we're just like, You know, who it's a running back, you know, most replaceable position, whatever. We get to Houston, though. Oh, my goodness, Damian Pierce and the one three and one Texans. So we'll see what happens. I would not be going too heavily into the props, though. All right. I like Kenneth Walker here too. A uh, nice little yards before contact for him this week. Uh, let's go to combined yards for drop back quarterbacks, chucking it deep down the field. Who we got this week? As I pull up my lovely chart this week. Yeah. Standing out Tua on Sunday night against that again, injury ravaged Steelers secondary that somehow still managed to limit TB 12 and company last week, the Colts popping a little bit. They actually did get back on track last week. I don't know what the hell Jacksonville was doing in their secondary. We'll give Matt Ryan a little bit of credit for that one. Titans have also been a defense that opponents have had plenty of success throwing the ball against this year. So if want to go back to well with a Michael Pittman, I don't hate that idea. Then also, man, just this Seahawks charge, game. I mean, highest game total of the week for a reason. I do think Geno Smith and his wide receivers are very much in play. And with the Chargers, dude, I did a, a little study looking at Mike Williams with and without Keenan Allen. Really not much of a difference. I think in that we have like 11 sample size of uh, games now with Herbert, with Mike Williams, without Keenan. And yeah, he's gotten like an extra half target per game. I think he's averaged one more fantasy points. But guess what? Mike Williams, they paid him $20 million to be a beast. He dudded last week in a pretty tough matchup that honestly probably should have had an extra 40 yards on top of it, but they didn't bother to review uh, that awesome catch he made on the sideline. So I, I think every single time, you know, with Mike Williams, it's he, he was built, he was put on this planet, Britt, to be a GPP play because you know he's going to boom and hey you're going to be in it or he's going to bust and you're dead anyway so first or last I do think Mike Williams in his potential shootout if you want to bring back for that Seahawks stack could make a lot of sense even if Keenan is back in action 
I believe I saw something. He has under 20 or over 100 yards in every single game this year. There's no, there's no in between for Mike Williams. Love it, love it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't quote me on that, but I believe that is uh, semi true. Some, something like that, uh, at least with Mike Williams. Uh, let's go to the EPA per play. Uh, we're looking for underdogs that have a better EPA per play than the favorites, at least from a sports betting perspective, anything we can take a look at this week. Yeah, this has been doing a good job of kind of identifying the Jets and Giants and uh, even the Patriots, I think, a little bit before uh, the, the market on this one. So this week, just kind of, again, those underdogs that are popping a bit. The Commanders plus four and a half against the Packers. It Look, the Packers have been a really bad team that we – mostly this year that we keep expecting to kind of get back on track with that said you know they are five and like should the Packers really be five and a half point road favorites against anyone that's kind of the question there the Colts plus two and a half against the Titans I think is fair the Jets uh plus one I, I will be talking more about that one in just a second and it is favoring the 49ers surprisingly at two and a half so the one thing I will say about Sam Fram a lot of times when you see games like last week losing by multiple touchdowns and stuff you just assume it was a Jimmy Garoppolo meltdown game really was wasn't the case last week. I mean, he had two huge chunk plays dropped by Ray Ray McLeod and then Charlie Warner, their backup tight end, had a chance to hit George Kittle for a touchdown, but Kittle actually kind of ran uh, the, the, the a bad route on, on the on the scramble drill adjustment. So just one of those things where Jimmy G, you now put McCaffrey in this offense, IUX healthy, Debo Kittle. There are a lot of weapons out there, so I am going to be taking the Chiefs, spoiler alert, uh, but maybe we could see more of a you know shootout in that game than we're perhaps expecting. Uh, would you trade uh, equivalent of a, like a late first for CMC? Would you do that trade if you were the 49ers? Fuck no, but you know, it'll be fun to see him, uh, see him out there, but no, you don't, you just don't do it, man. We, we look at Damian Pierce, fourth round running back. Like this happens all the time. Like Christian McCaffrey, yeah, but you gotta awesome. get, you gotta get that guy is, I guess is the, you gotta be able to get that guy. I don't know, um, man. We, we had Dearness Johnson out there last year, putting up top 10 numbers. It's just one of those things where I, there's so many good running backs and in the NFL, when we have this silly salary cap, that's arbitrary. And I don't think we should have a salary cap, Britt. Would I take Christian McCaffrey over any other running back in the league? Most of them. Yes. But when you add in the salary cap, no, don't do it. You already had, well, did, did, were we looking at this offense going like, man, like Jeff Wilson had 120 yards and a touchdown. Two yeah, weeks I, I, ago. Don't, I didn't understand, especially when you were just about to get uh, the other guy back from San Francisco. You, so. you just used a third round pick on Tyrion Davis price this year. You just gave Debo this big contract specifically with rushing clauses to make sure that he can't bitch and moan. If you're going to give him the ball, you have Elijah Mitchell coming back soon. Like they've done this again and again, they paid uh Jarek McKinnon, a ton of money a couple years ago before he got hurt. They paid Tevin Coleman, Trey Sermon, like how many times do Shanahan and John Lynch need to keep going down this well? And the worst part is throughout all of this Brit, they've still been one of the league's best rushing offenses. They mm -hmm. keep screwing this up and they keep, you know, just falling into success anyway. So, hey, it's the babysitting narrative. Did you did you see that one? Babysitting narrative. Did, did you see it? He babysitted, no. see, he babysitted CMC when he was growing up. <laughs> I mean, look, he's going to be <laughs> awesome. I, I haven't really – it hurts the other wide receivers. It hurts the other talents in San Fran, obviously, just because of the volume around. And, you know, maybe McCaffrey goes from, like, you know, RB3 to RB4 or something. But it's uh, just in terms of, you know, real-life allocation of assets. No, it, it's – it's I hate having the conversation. I wish we could go back to days where we talked about, you know, running backs just for being great instead of how, uh, how bad it is when you actually pay them a lot of money. But, hey, it's the league and game we're in, so it is what it is. Kyle Shanahan babysit. 
Christian McCaffrey. As, his, his, dad, <laughs> his dad literally invented the idea of like, you don't need to pay running backs. You don't need to do this. Like remember all the lists of the Mike Shanahan undrafted or, you know, late round running backs, Mike Bell, Clinton Portis, all these guys just going off with no draft capital. And then Kyle's like, yeah, but what if I uh, just also did the opposite of that and had a baller in there? So we'll see what happens. All right, that's uh, going to conclude uh, the uh, mismatch manifesto portion of the show today. If you want to check it out uh, and read through it along with anything else over at PFF, you can get a subscription over there. Very reasonably priced and highly recommended from me and I'm sure Ian as well. There's the, let's see, Ian, no one from the, nope, there's no gun to your head, but you do work at PFF. <laughs> and uh, I know there's a lot of fun stuff over there. So uh, with that out of the way, let's jump into uh, the sports betting segment. So uh, we're doing reasonably good here on the year. I think Ian, at least on spreads, is just slightly behind, and everything else we're positive on in the year. I'm six, three, and three on sort of these spreads, money line. Well, not money line parlays. I, I got actually have one of those this week. Under overs. Uh, so the one, I, one I mentioned to Ian before the show. I don't really like a ton of the spreads this week. I think they're all pretty close. I've been hemming and hawing. I've, I've bet a couple myself, but nothing I want to throw out there personally. The one thing I have put a reasonable amount of money on, it's a three-team, uh, pretty big favorite parlay. I got the Bucks, Dolphins, and Patriots money line parlay. You can put that together. It basically comes out at even money to like minus 110 uh, if you throw it up on a sports book. So that's good enough for me in terms of finding you know a nice price for the people. Uh, I like that one. Uh, just I, I don't see the Bucks aren't losing this week. The Dolphins again, the Steelers that was their Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think the <laughs> Dolphins with Tua back with Tyreek, you know, th that team is going to be pretty good, in my opinion. And the Patriots against the Bears is just you know, RIP Justin Fields. You said that in the beginning, <laughs> so I, I don't really see any of those losing. I, I like that better than trying to pick a spread or an over under this week. So that's my particular one bet. I've got a look ahead and then I've got some fun bets I'll sprinkle in. I like betting. Uh, on DraftKings, they have those highest team score total. Nice. Those are always fun to sprinkle on, but I'll talk about those in just a second. Let's see what Ian's looking at this week. I will agree that generally with these spreads, I mean, it's one of those where, you know, I I, I go through it top to bottom and, you know, you're hoping to have a couple to like, oh, I like that one. I like that one. Let's get through them. And this was one of those weeks where, you know, you get to Monday Night Football and it's like, wait, uh, I didn't like any of those. So yeah. with all that said, um, I do think some of these dogs just – it's week, it's week six, it's week seven now. How many games do we need to see before we admit that the Jets are a good football team and that Geno Smith is playing as a legit top 10 quarterback? I believe that the Jets plus one against a Broncos team that has been an atrocity every single week this season. Okay, their defense is good and that's fine, but so is the Jets and the Broncos league worst scoring offense that might have to go to Brett freaking Ripien under center or an even more injured version of Russell Wilson. I just don't think that version of the Broncos should be favored against just about anyone as particularly not a Jets team that continues to play really good football. So to me, this just still seems like a spread that's giving the Broncos a lot of respect that they haven't earned this year. And it's not giving the Jets enough respect for this, you know, win streak and stuff they've been able to do against much better football teams than the Broncos. So give me the Jets plus one, uh, the Seahawks also plus five against the Chargers. Similar sentiment here. I mean, I think it's been a disappointing season overall for the Chargers. They've managed to squeak out some of these wins, but certainly not as dominant, particularly on offense as we expected. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, 
Seahawks, I know they give up a lot of points, but man, they can come back out there and score them with just about anyone at this point. So with the combined EPA per play, I mean, this is telling us this is a very close matchup, you know, only separated between uh, 0.02 points there. So Seattle plus five. To me, this again feels like something that should be much more uh, like a one score, one uh, one field goal game, three to four on the spread. I will take the Seahawks plus five. And then Chiefs minus two. As much as I do want to give, you know, Jimmy G and, and, and those guys some respect on offense. And I, you know, said some nice things about him earlier, but it's Patrick Mahomes coming off a loss. Only two points against a 49ers team that we just saw get beaten down by the Falcons. I will take Mahomes as a slight road favorite. Uh, all right, a couple of my more long shot bets. Uh, so I know you like the Chiefs, but I like to take the team going against the Chiefs when they have a competent offense is like the highest scoring team of the week. So I've got the the 49ers, I think on DraftKings, I bet it earlier in the week, they were plus 2,200 with CMC entering the equation. Maybe it's gone up a little bit, but if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs, if the 49ers win that game, right? There's a really good chance they have to score a lot of points. And I think they have the talent to do it. So I put a sprinkle on that. And I know you're not on the Lions, but they did it a couple of times. I know the Dallas defense is good. I think they were around plus 2,200 as well. So those are little long shots. You just put a couple of bucks on. If you hit those, you get 100 or 200 bucks in your account. I like playing with those. And I just looked at the look ahead lines. The 49ers are plus one and a half next week against the Rams. Now it's in Los Angeles, but that's, is that even a home game? like the 49ers are miles ahead talent wise than this Rams team is right now. So I just, I don't understand why they're a, I know it's on the road, but an underdog. So if you are looking at a look ahead line, so just, just pretend, right. If the 49ers win this game, this goes to like minus three in the 49ers favor pretty quickly, in my opinion. And even if the chiefs win, I don't think we're going to like, we're not going to lose on this. It's not going to go to like plus three or anything like that. So I threw that on there as a look-ahead bet. Uh, I did bet that right before the show. That was the one standing out to me because I think we can get some reasonably positive closing line value on that and i don't even hate it at the plus one and a half right now no i think it's a reasonable call and i would put the rams right in there with a lot of similar things i just said about the broncos and chargers like just still a kind of reputation from the preseason and from last year that probably still shouldn't be here in week seven 25th ranked scoring offense right now they've had no consistency on that side of the ball and yeah they're always going to be you know a problem with aaron donald and stuff but really has been you know shanahan giving mcveigh fits more times than not i understand what happened in the most important important addition of that matchup last year but even with that man you know we have a safety not drop a wide open interception there at the end uh maybe would have been a different team representing the nfc sorry 49ers fans a little too soon to bring that up all right let's go to some props i mentioned damian pierce uh i think he was at 64 or 65 yards on most books at caesars he was at 61 and a half and it's even money i didn't understand this this morning when i was making some of these bets I jammed. I went all in. So I need, I need this to come through if I'm going to be betting next week. Not really, uh, but it sort of feels that way. The 61 and a half is just too low for Damian Pierce. Even if that's 13 carries, he can get there, right? If Even if game script goes against him, I think this is a pretty easy one for him to hit. So I like that one. And the other one I got is Ken Walker. He's over 67 and a half at MGM. Uh, that was minus 115 was where I got that at the best line. He's what, what do you have? 21 to out of the 24 touches or carries or something like that last week. He's an every down workhorse running back. The chargers can't stop anybody on the ground. Uh, it almost seems like too good to be true. A lot of the projections have him over 80 yards, some approaching 90 yards just on the ground alone. And if you like Seattle plus five, this is just giving better credence to it. Yeah. If that's going to be a close game 
and he's closing it out. I mean, he can again get 15 touches seems pretty much like a lock. And if they're this game's close or, you know, heaven forbid Seattle is winning, it's the Chargers. The Chargers can lose this game by 20 points, right? It's certainly possible. The Chargers can charge her against anybody. I think Ken or uh, Ken Walker, 67 and a half, uh, just looks too good to be true. That's I, I total. That's not even just no, rushing. Yeah, it was rushing. Okay, still. still. And yeah, yeah. That, that that was one of the uh, top matchups popping out with the yards uh, before contact. So honestly, if you want to take the total one too, uh, I'd be down with that. He actually had more routes than DJ Dallas last week. Now it was Dallas more so in the pure two minute drill situations. But Kenneth Walker, like the hesitations with him were always just like, hey, we have Rashad Penny that he's going to take some early down stuff. Travis Homer's going to take pass downs. And this offense isn't any good. All three of those things are no longer issues. So I think, yeah, 67 and a half, far too low. Uh, why don't you throw some of your props out here? You've got an under, I am an, I, I, I think most of my bets are, I would say 95% of my bets are overs. I don't like rooting for the under and I hate betting the under if, cause when it just goes over, I feel so stupid. So I'd rather just be completely wrong on an over. Uh, let's, let's do the under first and then we'll talk a couple of the overs you got. Yeah, but I do think there's something to be said about, you know, the sharper ones out there betting a lot of under. So I'm trying to improve and get a little better, Britt. As 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 delightful as these all sound on Fridays, once we get to the games on Sunday, uh, it tends to change just a little bit. But uh, yeah, with that under, it is going to be Brian Robinson, under 60 and a half, rushing and receiving yards. I believe I saw his rushing line, too, is even at like 52 and a half or 55. Yeah. Look, last week, it was perfect for him. They played a Bears team that could not pull away, and we actually got a rare neutral game script for a Washington Commanders team. That has the third worst point differential in the NFL this year. So if Washington can go build a lead on the Green Bay Packers, who are favored by five and a half points right now, and just dominate the game, then okay, Brian Robinson will probably go over this. If not, though, he's not even going to have a chance to go over this because he's not going to be on the field. This is still very much a three running back committee where any single time that they lose and they get behind in a game like they did two weeks ago, J.D. McKissick ends up being the lead back, and Antonio Gibson still threatens to come in and take away uh, drives more times than not. So last week, Brian Robinson, uh, I don't even know if he got this number. If he did, it wasn't that that much over it but he had 17 carries and zero targets not using them at all in the past game and why would they and again just when you look at this offense it's not good i think this number number and honestly the just overall overall reputation of brian robinson at this point i think it's all being inflated in fantasy and the prop market by how good of a story it is that he came back so i'm coming here as a terrible human being and telling you guys to bet against america take the under on brian robinson's under 60 and a half rushing and receiving yards i do have two overs for some wide receivers i just think are in smash matchups this week though deontay johnson over 61 and a half receiving yards 55 targets for Deontay Johnson this year. That is 20 more than any other Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver. And with this Dolphins defense, man, Nick Needham, their actual second starting cornerback, because Byron Jones is still on the pup with an Achilles injury. Now Nick Needham tore his Achilles as well, leaving us with Xavier Howard, who again, I think we said this last week, wasn't dealing with one groin injury, groins on the injury report, <laughs> multiple issues there. And Justin Jefferson accordingly went over 100 yards on him last week. So Deontay Johnson, I just think it's a Dolphins secondary that has already been mediocre to begin with this year they've always kind of pl uh, played that zero blitz style defense where they're going to leave their guys on islands and hope they can win well you take away corners that have that ability to play on islands and i don't think deontay is going to need more than a few catches to really get going on that far too good of a receiver to be in a rut this long i think this mark is only at 61 and a half because of again a still fairly small six game sample size if you look at deontay over these past three years i think we'd be shocked to ever see a number this low so give me his over on sunday night football 
football. And then finally, Michael Gallup over 52 and a half receiving yards. Back to the full-time role. Dak's back under center. And this Lions defense is horrendous. Amani Aruwirarie. It's so, so, so tough to say every single time. He is PFS 108th ranked covers corner out of how many? 109 players. So I do think that Michael Gallup this week, I mean, you look at that number. He really is their deep ball receiver more games than not. Might only take one or two catches from Gallup to get there. Second highest game total of the week. Don't be afraid to invest in those complimentary options in the Cowboys offense. All right. I see uh, for your Jets bet, I see you might have a, a good bet there. I see Benjamin Albright saying Rippon has a very, in caps, good chance to start this week. Uh, might might be seeing him in there. So your Jets bet looking pretty juicy, in my opinion. Boom. Uh, let's get to some DFS plays now that the uh, sports betting and props version of the show is done. Uh, I want to remind everybody, if you want access to just, hey, I want to know where that Michael Gallup prop has the best odds immediately on scores and odds. That's our sports betting map here at Roto-Grinders. You can check that out in just a few clicks of your fingers on your phone. And then if you want to get the premium picks and all that, I throw a couple on there every week and our team is up, I don't know, 40, 50 units or something like that for the year. I don't know the exact one, at least in NFL. We had a college football guy, I think won six or seven and oh last week. Notorious does PGA, uh, throws winners out left and right. You can get all that for a subscription to Scores and Odds if you just want picks and don't want to really do any other research yourself. Uh, DFS, let's start at quarterback. At least from a cash game perspective, oh, it's a little ugly this week, Ian. There's no one I'm like, I, last week we were like Josh Allen, and I think Allen on the $25 double up on DraftKings was 80% off. Everybody knew to play Josh Allen. This week it's going to get a little dicier because there's no – like we have Lamar Jackson as the running quarterback, but he hasn't really been Lamar Jackson outside of a couple of games. And we want that consistency from the cash game perspective. So this is the spot I'm filling in the rest of my lineup with the players I want, right? I'm going to get Josh Jacobs. I'm going to play Kenneth Walker, right? I'm going to play this guy and I'm going to play that guy. And there's a few I can throw my head up. Of course you can play Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, if you have the money, if you don't, if you think that Cincinnati shotgun offense is real with these short, um, high percentage throws to Jamar Chase, who can take it to the house on any play, you got Joe Burrow sitting there. You've got uh, a little bit cheaper Derek Carr, you know, against Houston. If Derek Carr is going to do it, it's probably going to be against Houston. If you want to go a little cheaper, you got Geno against the Chargers. Not really in love with anybody. Do you have someone that stands out again? This is just the last spot on my teams this week. Whatever I can fit in, that's what I'm looking to do. Um, it's gross, man, but I think it's Gino. He just what does Gino have to do to get a 6K salary, Bray? Like, I just don't get it. He's a top 10 Change quarterback. His name. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. It's just, and even this uh Chargers defense, man, I don't think they've exactly been the world beaters that uh, they're cracked out to be. And now losing Joey Bosa is obviously a major part of that. But I mean, they've already allowed 11 passing touchdowns this year. That's going to be a top 10 mark against in the league. So, again, with Gino, the thing that gets me with it, it's not like we had to watch Gino just suck for the last five, six years. He was not good early on in his career with the Jets, but from 2017 to 2021, all the dude did was back up Eli Manning, and when they replaced him with Geno, hey, might have actually been a good idea. I never know. Ben McAdoo, everyone freaked out because it was Eli Manning. And it was just a streak-based thing, but it wasn't a performance-based thing. And they backed up Phillip Rivers and Russell Wilson. Like, 
Geno Smith at some point or another got really good, and that's what we've been seeing. And now 10 games over the past two seasons. So PFF passing grade, yards per attempt, QB rating, adjusted completion rate, pick whatever stat that you think is good, and it will tell you that Geno Smith is a top 10 quarterback. So highest game total of the week, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, once again, way too cheap, someone that you can easily stack Geno with. I am confident in going down with Geno Smith at 5.6K. Like, how, how on earth, man, are Ryan Tannehill and Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence higher than Geno Smith in a freaking fantasy football competition? Man, I do not get this price at all. Um, for tournaments, a couple of guys, I know you're looking. I mean, it's it's dicey wherever you go. Mine was, I'm sort of playing on that 49ers highest scoring team bet. You know, you throw a little sprinkle on that. Is Jimmy G. The problem is now with CMC in the picture, it's just going to, if you play Jimmy G and CMC scores a touchdown and only plays like 20 snaps, it's really going to kill your stack. But you could, and even siphoning off some of the receptions because they weren't really throwing to the running backs to begin with. And now when he's on the field, especially in the red zone, if that's how he's deployed, it could maybe screw up some of your stacking. But if it's not CMC catching four or five passes in the touchdown and the Chiefs, let's say the Chiefs do put up a bunch of points, which I know you like taking them to minus two and a half. Mm -hmm. We didn't take the over or anything, but you got to expect the Chiefs to put up some points. You know, Jimmy G can get there. You got Debo, you got Kittle, you got Ayuk. These guys are all slate breakers in in any given week in football uh, i think you can stack them with one you could stack them with two and you've got let's say kelsey take your pick of a kansas city wide receiver or running back uh, you know if you're taking a shot in the dark a hope and a prayer even it's not travis kelsey juju looks like the other guy but i think he has some nice stacking partners i didn't like the cmc trade at least for this but if you're just trying to get a little bit different it's going to be low owned. Nobody's playing any of his receiving options either. You get that low owned stack that goes off. That's how you shoot up the top of the leaderboard. I don't hate it. I'm even diving deeper into the dumpster and looking at a, a min price Taylor Heineke at just 5K replacing Carson Wentz under center. And Heineke has a little bit of that. Look, the dual threat in him where we do see games where he's a better fantasy life quarter, better fantasy quarterback than he is in real life. So last year, man, when he was out there again, it wasn't all that pretty. I get that. Like this is one of those where you start him and then you don't actually go out there and watch the games. But I mean, let's see. First eight weeks. I mean, the dude had let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Five top. Five top 12 finishes in the first, you know, 12 weeks or so of last season. He had a QB five finish, I believe, uh, around this matchup. Last year, Terry McLaurin in week seven against the Packers went for over 100 yards and a touchdown. So this actually was a matchup that Heineke was passable. And I do think that, again, we see him occasionally flash that sort of dual threat upside. And he's just around some guys that I don't even think that's in their potential range of outcomes. So Taylor Heineke believes that Taylor Heineke can make every single throw on the field. And even though he doesn't quite have that same sort of ability, uh, one of my co-hosts on the PFF Fantasy Pod, Kevin Cole, said that uh, Taylor Heineke is like Brett Favre without any of the talent involved involved in the situation. But every once in a while, Britt, it does work out for him. So Heineke with a Terry McLaurin, with a Curtis Samuel, just a stack that I don't think anybody's going to be thinking about. But once again, it's against the Packers defense that, like, no, I'm not afraid of Jair Alexander. They didn't put him on the number one wide receiver. I don't think it's as big of a matchup to fear as the reputation is kind of being made out to be. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the running back position. The two cash game locks, I believe, this week are going to be Josh Jacobs and Ken Walker, at least on DraftKings. Jacobs is this every down workhorse role against Houston. What are they, 170-something yards a game on the ground? 
if if that's all Josh Jacobs, that's pretty good fantasy score. Now it won't all be him, but if he's able to keep pace, he looks pretty juicy. I already mentioned Walker in my prop betting area. I think he is a very nice DFS play as well. My question is, do you want to play a third one? Popping on our ownership projections, our Jacobs and Walker are, of course, the top two. I'm going to throw a couple other guys at you that out of the top five. Ian. We've got Austin Eckler coming in at third as the highest owned running back. Uh, there's going to be uh, – who might be out this week? Is it Josh Kelly who is not yeah, going to make Kel- it? Yeah, Kelly's probably out. Yeah, so if he's going to get the goal line work along with all the receptions and a couple extra touches, he's looking pretty good. We've got Brees Hall against Denver. I know Brees Hall looks like a world beater right now, but against Denver, do you do you really want to play that in a cash game? The price has gone up a, a little bit, but probably not enough. And then you've got Mixon who's sitting there uh, in this newfound – Bengals offense that was all shotgun last week. We don't know if that's going to continue this week, but they were able to get a little bit more yards per carry when they were able to run and they were able to move the ball a little bit more effectively as well. And he's pretty close to an every down running back as well. Who would you rather have between those three? I'm going to also throw in Lenny Fournette, who even if he doesn't run the ball a ton is what going to catch six or seven balls. He's going to start out with seven points on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, just with the Fournette pass game floor, I would say if you can just get up to that point, you still do have the salary room. Give me Fournette um, out of that group for sure. Brees Hall is interesting, man, because even before he got this featured role that he's now had for a couple weeks, um, he was actually still putting up top 24 finishes because he's been that efficient, especially in the passing game. So with that Broncos defense, I just think that with the potential game script they're facing with Brett Rippian under center, it might not matter. But I hear you just in Denver is not exactly the best spot with that said you know when you do have Brees Hall and like the cheapest defense that makes the most sense and that's going to be the chalkiest is the Jets at 2.6k so we do like when we're able to stack that running back with the own uh, defense there so with Brees Hall only Brees Hall Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley have been a top 24 PPR running back in every week this season so I do think he has a solid enough floor there to still be cash viable but yeah if I can get up to Lenny that would be the move it's just unfortunate that we have you know the kind of backfields that are evolving in Denver Carolina and now um, San Francisco as well. And then Baltimore with the Dobbins injury. Like it's just all committees, man. I don't think we're going to really get anyone emerging from it. And it's a good example of just remembering how different handcuffs can be in different offenses. So Chuba and Foreman are going to be splitting things in Carolina and San Francisco. I would not expect McCaffrey to be out there having anything close to an every down role for this week. And yeah, man, just, you know, even Denver, Melvin Gordon's a starter, but what does that mean? Javon, Javante Williams, healthy Javante Williams was the starter, and he didn't even play 50% of snaps in a game before he got injured. So I just think the answer largely to this Broncos backfield is no. Same thing in Carolina and even Baltimore, man. Like if we're going to have Gus Edwards out there too, potentially um, alongside Kenyon Drake and a returning Justice Hill, that's probably a situation we got to avoid. So if there is a week to pay up and get some guarantees at running back, I do think it's this one because, again, after Walker, man, Really can't get behind any of these dudes. Uh, a couple tournament plays I'm looking at. Uh, John- Jonathan Taylor, nobody's going to be playing him this week. If he's back a- against uh, the Titans, that's looking like a reasonable play. There's no reason to expect he's not going to assume the Jonathan Taylor role back for Indianapolis, and no one's going to be playing him. I think he's a little interesting. And then, uh, you know, you talked a-, a little bit down on James Robinson, and I'm looking at playing Travis Etienne, because if the Etienne takeover, one of these weeks, it's going to happen where he's going to clearly become the lead back, I think. 
And if that's this week, one is props are too low. I bet the over on us props, I didn't throw it up on the prop section because I didn't want to spend five hours on that. <laughs> but you can go bet the ETN props, both rushing, receiving, and the combined on that one. Uh, he looks reasonably low own. And if he get, you know, he's had like 10 rushes in three of the last four games. That ups to like 13 or 14 against the Giants. This is this could be 100 yards, multiple receptions, a touchdown, and a GPP winning play for sure. This is only one of five offenses averaging over two yards before contact per carry. Like, I hate taking away players' big plays. But, Britt, my God, Jermichael Hasty just scored the easiest 61-yard touchdown I've ever seen in my life on a fourth and one. James Robinson earlier this year had a 50-yard touchdown against the Chargers. That was just like, my God, I, you, you get Britt the ball. I think he's going to have a chance to pick up at least 20 yards. Maybe on, like 20 uh, years ago. not, not Maybe anymore. like 20 years ago. But <laughs> it's just one of those things where ETN, I, it's he's been the best running back of the group. Any statistic you want to look at, and he's just – Hey, we know he's got that long speed, man. One of these days, I think it's going to be him running through that, you know, hole that a freaking truck could go through instead of Jamichael freaking hasty or uh, James Robinson. So I don't hate that ETN call at all. I would say uh, just also some looks here in GPP. Kareem Hunt, 5.4K. Look, it's Kareem Hunt. I know he just dudded last week. He's not getting quite as many receptions as ever, but we still know this dude's got two touchdown upside and that 5.4K. Again, if we want to look at the easiest and hardest ways to build these lineups, I I do think that people are going to be inclined to pay up more at running back and ETN right there in that same price range when you can get these guys at 5.4K who are still looking at 15-plus combined carries and targets in a normal game script. Uh, I'd be awfully careful about just having no exposure to guys like ETN and Kareem Hunt this week. Uh, Zico Elliott at 6K. He's a touchdown home favorite. Actually showed a little bit of juice last week for the first time all season. Getting Dak back, I do think we could see Zeke. Hey, maybe may Maybe not run for 150 yards. I'm, I'm pretty sure those days are most likely over at this point. But I think the Cowboys, second highest implied team total of the week, are going to score some points. And when they get at that around that goal line, which they haven't been that often with Cooper Rush under center, Zeke is still the undisputed lead back. So Zeke Elliott always has that two-touchdown upside in his back pocket just by virtue of being the lead back in this offense. Whether we like it or not, at 6K, I think Zeke makes a lot of sense. And finally, Aaron Jones at 7.6K kind of getting lost in that top part it's been disappointing but i think with fournette ahead of him mixing behind him and then josh jacobs not uh, too far off at least just relative to where the running backs are you know being uh, ranked according to their pricing uh, i do think that aaron jones having that receiving upside on a full ppr site like DraftKings. Squeaky wheel gets the grease type of uh, type of game after we had to hear LaFleur talk about not getting him enough touches. So again, Green Bay passing offense, the explosive offense really set up well. Aaron Jones was open for like the 70 yard bomb touchdown last week. Rodgers just c- couldn't quite put it on him. I, you know, I do think that every anytime we do see a Packers offense in a game like this where, you know, I know it's been annoying in terms of not having one guy consistently stand out, but they need someone to catch the ball at this point. That's that's been the worst part about Aaron this Jones offense. Is definitely their best player. Yes, but that's we knew these this wide receiver room was weak going into the year, and then okay, Watkins is hurt, Christian Watson is hurt, and now Randall Cobb is hurt. They've inexplicably like not thrown the ball to Aaron Jones. It's four year lows for him in terms of receptions and receiving yards per game. And I look at that and it's like, all right, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Lafleur, these are smart guys that have won a lot of football games. I don't think that's going to keep up. I would not be surprised at all. This is finally the get right spot for Aaron Jones that he's been hoping for. All right, let's go to wide receiver. I got a couple, I don't know if they're gimmies, but they seem like gimmies, at least on DraftKings. 
Uh, I got CeeDee Lamb with Dak back. You know, he's got a little bit of a depressed price playing with Rush over the past couple of games. Uh, and if Dak, Dak is Dak Prescott, you got to expect him to funnel the ball to CeeDee Lamb on this offense this week. He's looking pretty good. The Tyler Lockett, uh, I was on last week. You warned me a little bit of the hamstring. I don't know if it was the hamstring or it just wasn't a Tyler Lockett game, yeah. but he looks his price didn't move again uh, much at all. So he's looking pretty good as a bounce back week. Those are the two I, I think most people should be keying on. The third, I don't have a third one. A couple, I was sort of looking at maybe uh, a T. Higgins is in there, right? If this Cincinnati offense is this shotgun pass happy short, quick receptions. Last time I looked on DraftKings, wait, yes, you get a point for each of those receptions. Uh, Higgins and Chase should both start out, you know, with a couple of free points, in my opinion. You know, he fits in the mold of sort of the builds I want to make. A couple other guys in that range, but I really couldn't narrow it down to a third. Higgins was, I don't know, like the, the third guy I was looking at. Romeo Dobbs is there at 5K. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about him getting, you know, A-plus targets. But, no, yeah, it's not someone that I'm exactly going to put my reputation on Britt or say, you know, he's an absolute lock right there. So, yeah, it's it's really just those – we have two running backs to feel great about and two wide receivers, and I think that's going to be, you know, in most people's lineups. And after that, it's going to be on us to try to uh, get lucky with that third player. So, I do think uh, looking at my three favorite GPP receivers this week, T. Higgins definitely in there as well. And if you can get up to him in cash, I think that's absolutely – Absolutely fine. We saw him last week get back over that 90% route rate. And yeah, it was Jamar Chase's game. We know that's going to happen. This week it could certainly be T. Higgins. And I do think that we are going to see A.J. Terrell be asked to match Jamar Chase. And throughout this season, we have seen the secondary wide receiver have a lot of success not being tracked by A.J. Terrell. And honestly, A.J. Terrell, he's allowed a league-high seven touchdowns this year. So it's one of those things where uh, he hasn't been doing a great job. And accordingly, the guy that's not as good as A.J. Terrell, of course, not doing great in his own right. Going off those... You know, chalky CD Lamb and chalky Tyler Lockett, though. Hey, it's easy game. Michael Gallup, 5.1K, DK Metcalf, 6.6K. These are the guys. Same awesome situations, same reasons that we like CD and Lockett this week, but their price, their prices are what we're focusing on. So again, Michael Gallup still hasn't had the big explosion because who has with Cooper Rush under center? I would like to be a week early on Michael Gallup. I mean, 5.1K right now. And what universe like should Tyler Boyd and Robert Woods be priced higher uh, than Michael Gallup this week? Couldn't be me. So I do love Gallup there. I mentioned his prop earlier. And then yeah, DK Metcalf at 6.6K. I'd argue higher weekly ceiling than Tyler Lockett. And yeah, we're seeing him continuously, you know, rather inexplicably priced a thousand dollars more than the guy, but being right there alongside CD alongside T Higgins, I do think it's a risky game to be uh, too underexposed to DK Metcalf. And a couple GPV plays at the wide receiver position. Quick for me, uh, Mike Evans over Chris Godwin. It looks like Godwin's going to be double the ownership. Give me Mike Evans, big playability. I'll take a shot on that. You know what? Three catches for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. The Mike Evans line. There we go. As they obliterate uh, the Panthers, I like uh, Mike Williams, he, with or without Keenan Allen. I don't think Keenan Allen's going to end up playing, but we've seen you know GPP winning performances or a bust. I'm fine taking that risk. And Michael Pittman looks like nobody's playing him. And the Colts last week, I know they didn't have Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor's going to be there this week, but they sort of unveiled this a new look offense as well, and it was the Michael Pittman offense. And that dude is a baller. If he's no one's going to play him, he can break the slate. All three of these guys can break the slate at low ownership. So those are three guys I was sort of looking at from a tournament perspective. Uh, going to tight end, this is another position. Outside of Mark Andrews, 
Like it, it, I don't know. This week it's kind of hard to get to Mark Andrews. We don't have the you know fifty two hundred dollar running backs. We don't have a lock four K wide receiver or anything. If you can get to Mark Andrews, probably want to play Mark Andrews. Uh, you've got Noah Fant is the talk of the town this week. He's sort of you know Russell Wilson starting to connect with him a little bit. And then you've got uh, Dulicic from Denver. Now I want Russell Wilson to probably play, but um, he's the minimum price. He's twenty five hundred. He caught caught the touchdown. Uh, on the Monday night slate, so he didn't get the bump. 2,500 for uh, a living, breathing tight end that's going to play basically every snap. I can deal with that. If it gets me everything else I want in my lineup, I'm okay taking a punt at tight end. I, I'm okay at 2,500 taking a zero, and I don't think Dulcich is going to get me zero. Um, so those are a couple of the guys I'm looking at. No, I don't want Dulcich, man. That touchdown, no defender is within 30 yards of him. I don't get the public's infatuation with this Broncos offense trying to still get anything out of it. Dead last in scoring with a backup quarterback, and now you still want to play what is pretty much a committee. 2,500. I, I like, mean, I'm not saying I, – I'm, I'm more in the Noah Fant or Mark Andrews tier. I really want to try to get to Andrews. I haven't just – I haven't found a lineup yet. I'm hoping we maybe somewhere – uh, like last night at NBA, uh, there was Miles Turner. He hurt his ankle on the ball boy pregame. Now he's out for a week. So I'm hoping something like that happens in the NFL and I get some value in the pregame. I mean, no offense, not even this full-time guy either. I think his targets have been a little bit fluky. I think if there's an option in the low 3K, under 3K range, it's Kate Otten with the Buccaneers, assuming I'm Cam Brait had to have been. Yeah, I saw he got ruled out again. When Cam Brait was ruled out in week five, Kate Otten, their rookie tight end, even with Kyle Rudolph out there, man, 94% snaps, seven targets, caught six of them for 43 yards. And these uh, week four and week six, when Cameron Brait unfortunately got hurt in the game, it was Kate Otten coming on the field and getting a true every down role so Kate Otten is the actual tight end under 3k that's having an every down role not freaking Greg Dolchitz do people people are this pissed off about missing on Albert O that they just need to pretend that Greg Dolchitz is like the second coming of Grok now could not be me Brit so I am out on that uh, in terms of GPP uh, Kittle just still not expensive enough 5300 come the hell on the fact that they put him unironically beneath darren waller is a joke um yeah kyle pitts 4.3k it's starting to get i would say that probably is right in the insulting enough level where i think we gotta go back to him and tourney's uh brit so yeah i agree tough to really get up to andrews and kelsey hey because it is tough maybe that's a good reason to try and make some unique lineups in tournament land take advantage of that but Normal lineups, I would say that Kittle Pitts uh, zone looks good to me there. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Week 7 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, either live or on delay, please click the like button on your way out. Go check out Scores and Odds to get access to which sites have the best lines on all your props. You can subscribe to get some killer picks from the whole team. Ian, have fun this weekend out there in Chicago. You got a wedding to attend. Uh, make sure to tell everyone else there never get married in football season. It is not allowed and not appreciated <laughs> by those of us that like to watch our football. Uh, have fun. Thanks for watching, listening, everybody. For Ian, I'm Britt. We out you.